Hey, what's up, everyone? We are live. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Boxing One podcast. Today, we're going to be doing another Raptors post-game recap after their 109-100 win against the Wizards. This time, I got the score right. Last time, I messed it up. But uh, a few things I want to talk about today. Uh, I want to talk about Fred Van Vliet. Um, I want to talk about Sweet Mahaluk. Uh, I want to talk about the Precious Achua situation because I think that's going to be important to cover. Um, also, what this team is going to look like once uh, once we get a little bit more healthy. But before we get into that, let's play the intro. All right, so I want to get this going, but before we do that, um, just some quick intros in case anybody's watching us live for the first time or watching us on the replay for the first time. Uh, I'm Ron. I'm joined by my co-host, Azam Baruki. Hello. Um, So, guys, 109-100 against the Wizards. Um, Five in a row. I think uh, it's four on the road. Yeah, four, four, four in a row on the road. Um, within that five in a row, uh, like I, I don't know what to say about this team, man. Like this, it's it's a little bit unexpected what we got out of them today. Um, I mean, not overall. I, I think just when we we're looking back at um, to start the season, especially where we started against the Wizards. Um, what what do you guys think? Like, what, what's 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 really been the driving force behind this team? Defense. Uh... They defend, they deflect, they get stops. They generate a lot of turnovers. I think if you look at this winning streak, they've had more possessions and more field goal attempts than the other team in every single game. So they're, while they're not the most efficient team at converting their chances, they're, as we, it's well documented that they're not a good half-court team. They don't have that one go-to guy like a... Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or LeBron James that you can just give the ball to and say, go score for us. They don't have that guy. So they have to defend um, and just uh, have possession of the ball as much as possible. And they are executing that really, really well right now. Yeah. And they're leading the league, I think, in deflections and as well as uh, steals at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Gary Trent, who we see here making a shot, uh, is leading the league with uh, nearly three steals per game. And, uh, like, deflections as a team, I think the next closest team, I think it's, like, 23 deflections per game. Next closest is Philly at, like, 18. And I read something where they're closer to being, they're closer to the 18th overall or 15th overall team than they are to the Raptors um, when you look at per the per-game deflections, which is mm-hmm. really interesting. But the, the one thing that I've noticed is, and, and I tweeted something about this uh, earlier today, it's that, you know, it, I, I said it earlier on the season that it was going to be the defense that that leads to them, their offense overall. Um, you know, it, it actually hasn't been that. Uh, I thought the transition offense would carry the team. Um, it hasn't necessarily been that way. Uh, like, they're averaging 105 points per 100 possessions on, on transition, which is way down from last year. And even like, you know, when you look at the championship team, it's it's really way down from that where they're at like 135. Um, I mean, obviously still early in the season. And I know we keep saying that about everything, but I mean, you still got to look at the numbers a little bit just to see where, where we're at. Um, but just interesting, because I, I always thought that it would be a very 
transition heavy team, but it hasn't been that. I mean, like you're looking at, at these highlights right now and you're getting awesome play from look at this right now. Um, OG on, on the steel, but I mean, you're, you're getting good play in, in half court from OG. Uh, Fred has been, has, has been amazing. Um, but I think there's still like, and tell me what you guys think. There, there's still room for improvement for this team. Yeah. Um, I think the the transition numbers will improve once Siakam is back. I mean, he's known for running the floor um, and getting those lobs and those alley oops um, and those easy dunks once he gets once he uh, gets moving in transition. So I do believe that there will be some normalization there. Uh, and also, like last year, remember, even though they weren't didn't have a good year, they also had Kyle, who's very a very good player in transition as well. So, so I do think there's going to be some normalization. Half court, I think a part of me thinks that they're actually using their. It's almost as if Nurse wants them to play more half court to get better at it. Like just like taking their time, moving the ball, getting to the like. Sometimes I think the defense will. Sometimes they look very sloppy at times, but I also believe that given how this is a team that's always developed and always, this is a team that focuses on practice, development, repetition, growth of its internal players. I, I, and OG, this is really the first year that he's time. He's the guy on offense. We're seeing a lot of those growing pains that we expected to see, but they're still finding ways to win anyways, which is good, which is like the optimal way to develop players, right? Yeah, I think a couple of areas where transition can probably improve. So one, I think eventually you'll start to see more buckets from the distance, right? I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we talk about reversion to the mean. Like eventually a few of them will start dropping more. I think they shot 40% today. They're 31%, I think, for the season or something like that. So I think that will probably normalize a little bit. Uh, the one area I feel that they probably need to do a little bit better job is in the paint. Like even today, they were like under 50%, right? Like 17 or 40 or something like that. Um, so uh, I, I think that's probably one area they may want to improve. Well, let, let's actually talk about the biggest culprit of that because I know I know a lot of people are going to want to hear about this. They're going to expect this. We were talking about this just before the show started. Precious Achua, uh, he uh, man, he was. I don't know what he ended up the, ended up shooting at the end of the game. Uh, let me actually just pull it up right here. He was at one point he was like one for nine. Uh, he ended up at twenty two percent. He was two for nine. He had some horrible misses. He had some horrible decisions overall. I, I I think that's one of the big things that that will hopefully like that's obviously the biggest area for improvement. Like when you look at Precious Achua compared to how they how they just how the offense runs with Ken Birch on the floor, it's it's night and day. And you even saw it. I think it was in the fourth quarter when when the Wizards started to make a run back and they made the switch and Jack Armstrong called it out on the broadcast. Um, they made the switch over back to back to Kem from Precious because at one point the Wizards just started blitzing Van Vliet on the screen and roll and they didn't even care what Achua was going to do on there because he, he really gives you nothing on the roll. Like he two for nine. Like I, I saw something where his usage last game against the Knicks was more than Fred, and he he had an effective field goal percentage of like thirty eight percent, which for a big man, that's like that's 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 worse than I'm pretty sure that's worse than Baines at his worst last year. 
Probably. Oh, poor precious. Um, yeah, it looks like he has like cement bricks for hands. But like the hate on him is just too much. Like the bigger young younger bigs take more time, and they didn't sign it. Like they got it. He's a bit of a project. He didn't play a lot last year in Miami. Like that's well documented. The, the team that came. Off a finals run, obviously he's playing behind a Bam Adebayo. You're not going to get minutes when you have an all-star big. So, in for many cases, this is very much like his rookie year. Like he didn't play a lot of meaningful minutes last year. Um, very, the role was very specific, and they're letting him roam a bit more. So. They're much better with Kale on the floor. There's no question. Uh, he's very. He's much better at setting screens. He's been around. He knows. He just makes smarter plays. Uh, we probably would have seen more of Cam and less of Precious had Cam not gotten into foul trouble in the third quarter. I don't mind what they're doing with him. Remember Siakam's rookie year? He started. He was a. He was until they got Surge. Um. At the trade deadline, Siakam was starting a lot of games at power forward and barely getting any touches. So I think that we'll likely see Kem continue to finish and come off the bench where they're still looking for some more consistency in bench scoring. And he'll play like those more meaningful minutes down the stretch. But I don't have a problem with just pressure starting and getting those consistent development minutes. I mean, teams have done it. Remember DeMar's rookie year. He started every game. Um, just let him feed him those consistent minutes, but keep him out of the higher leverage times. That's how I would go about it. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Like, I, I think you, you kind of like, I just, I, I'm not crazy about the, I mean, it's only 23 and a half minutes per game, which isn't a lot. But I mean, you, you look right here, like, we're looking at stats from 2020 compared to 2021. He, he was 54%. And I think I think the thing that Miami did well with him last year was that they they limited um, his his involvement in the offense. Like right now, I see a lot of him like as soon as he gets that rebound. And I, I'm sure this is by design. I'm sure this is what, what the Raptors want their big man, big men to do. But he's he's looking to push the ball up the court. But he just he almost gets to a point where there's like no training no back, back and he doesn't he know what to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he just puts up a bad shot. He, he played a little bit better in the second half where he would get the ball in the paint and he would look to pass. And he hit, I think, Fred on the three. I think he might have hit Svi for one as well. He he played much better when he knows that, you know, you, you got to look for the pass. You can't always be looking to go up for the shot. And to be honest with you, sometimes when he's going up for those shots, he it's it's he's going up really soft. And, like, you're, you're not getting, like... You know, against Montrez, you can't just throw up the shot and hope that, like, you know, it's it's gonna it's it's gonna go in. You, you go up with some force. Jack Armstrong says it all the time on the broadcast. Just just try to dunk it every time. And like, I don't know if he's in his head right now. I don't know if he's got a case a case of the yips. Um, but he's he's just making bad decisions. And I do think that part of it is inexperience. And I'm hoping that with more time, he'll start to figure it out. And like you you mentioned, he's he's still young. Um, like there's no sense in giving up on him. I understand the hate. Sometimes I think we do overblow the hate though. Oh, I've a lot. I've also I was listening to another podcast and they're talking about how 
because he was an acquisition in the Lowry trade, there's probably a bigger microscope on him or it's there's a bigger magnifying glass on him because of the fact that he I mean Dragic was in the deal for financial reasons but um Precious is the player that the Raptors wanted the young piece that they wanted back so there's going to be that added pressure and that added focus on him. Was an acquisition. so yeah they like let him play through it. Like the minutes are gonna. I think as Kem gets his conditioning up, he had COVID. He missed training camp. Boucher missed training camp. He's still finding his way. Siakam is out. I'm sure there'll be times where they go small and Siakam plays center. He's not gonna get 25, 20 plus minutes a game once sort of guys come back and guy and other guys get their uh, games right and their conditioning right. So. Just folks relax, let him start, maybe give him his steady 15 a night. And uh, be careful how you match him up. Like, I don't think you want him going up against Joel Embiid right now. But just be be mindful of that and relax, folks. He's a young player and he's a little bit of a project. So people need to chill out a little bit. So um, one thing that I really wanted to point out, and I've been looking at this – you know, over the past couple of days after they, the, you know, the, the starters had that run of playing the entire third quarter last game. So I started looking at some of the minutes that, that our, our, our top players are logging right now. You look today, OG was at 39 minutes. Fred was at 43 minutes. OG over the past five games. I, I have some notes here, but I, I think he's, he's been around 38, 39, even 40 minutes over the past four or five games. Um, any, any concern about them, you know, being overworked. I know this is one of the things about um, uh, about the Bulls. You know those those Bulls teams from the past, where um, you know they, they overworked some of their stars. Uh, any concern that that we're going down that road, or do you think that's solved by some of the guys that we get back? I think eventually it gets sorts itself out. I think it's too early in the season um, to worry about that. In my opinion. Uh, when guys get back, some of them will probably like minutes will drop. Um, so um, I think six, seven games in, no concern. Is it seven games now? How many? Nine. Nine, nine games. Sorry, nine games now. Yeah, six and three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm okay with it at this point. I'm fine. You remember a couple of years ago, uh, like the last the nineteen twenty season at the beginning, they didn't really had. They hadn't developed much of a bench yet. You know, it's known nurse called some guys out during training camp and they were really riding Kyle and Fred and those guys heavy early. And then as certain bench options emerged, uh, guys started getting more minutes. I think you're going to see Delano get some more minutes. I think when once Siakam is back, I, I suspect that nurse would probably want a time where at least he has one of OG, Fred or Siakam on the floor. And that'll be – so you could kind of have that the guy that's experienced in their system out there, the quote-unquote veteran guy. Um, so I think once he's back, it'll also take a lot of pressure and usage off of Fred and OG. And Yuta, another guy that can get some uh, minutes as well. So I think as a guy, obviously, Scotty's <laughs> – Scotty, we're forgetting all about Scotty, who is – 
killing it <laughs> up until the last couple of games. Yeah, so funny. So early in the season, you for completely forget that. Yeah, Scotty Barnes, who everybody was talking about a week ago, hasn't played in two games. So as guys get healthy, I think, and we just figure out bench rotations. Sri is starting to show more, so he'll come off the bench, um, which once everybody gets comes back, and that'll expand their rotation as well. Yeah, the play of Svi, I think, I'm glad you mentioned him, has been very important, um, especially, you know, t- taking some of those minutes away from, you know, other players who maybe maybe aren't going to be as effective. Like we talked about this earlier on in the season, you need a shooting. When With a team that that lacks the shooting, he gives you that spacing a little bit. You, you look at what he's done over the past three games, uh, 16, 15, and 15, and the, the most important thing that I've, that I've seen from Svi it's not just the, the the perimeter shooting. It's what he's been giving them cutting to the basket because he's giving you another option. You'll see OG. He's getting a lot more. He's seeing a lot more double teams now. And Svi cutting to the basket opens things up. And and it's he's he's got a lot of easy buckets out of it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad he's not just, you know, like a Matt Thomas where he's just spotting up and shooting. There's there's a little bit more of a dimension to his game. And I, I think a lot of people are actually pretty surprised over uh, out of what we've been getting out of him because, like, Personally, I, I've seen him play. I, I, you know, I saw him in Detroit. I saw him, you know, a little bit in OKC, um, and I just remembered him as a spot up shooter. But I didn't realize how effective he could be going to the basket, either creating his own shot or or just cutting to the rim. He was on Detroit last year, right? Uh, no, it was OKC last year. I think Detroit was. Uh, was a couple years ago. Was it, uh, wasn't it more recently than a couple years ago? Was he there when uh, Casey was there? Uh, so let's see. He was OKC 2020, Detroit for half of 20. Okay, so it was half of 2020 ah. and 2019. Ah, nurse out doing Casey again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you bring that up again, huh? <laughs> No, no, no. But I, I mean, seriously, like he's—I even went back and watched some of his Kansas footage just to see what he looked like in college. And the way he's playing with us right now is—and you know, maybe we just didn't see enough of him playing with Detroit and OKC. Maybe he—he he did do this, and maybe just the games that we saw by chance, he wasn't—he wasn't doing this. But like, I don't know. He—he's—he's he's giving me a lot more than I expected, and I really thought he was just going to be a spot-up shooter. And he's—he's he's been he's been far more than that, and he's been really important over this run. And. Also, like going back to what you said before, it is funny that we've almost completely forgotten about Scotty Barnes not being on this team and how like how good he was playing over the two games. But it just shows you this this team is is it's it's really more than just any one guy. Um, You get contributions from from wherever. And and this is going back to, you know, the pre Tampa Raptor days where it really was that next man up mentality. And for whatever reason, we lost that last year. Um you know, I'm, I'm sure there are many reasons, but we're we're definitely going back to looking like the team that we were in 20. What was that? 2019. The 1920 team, yeah, because that was like that was like you know, Nick Nurse's masterpiece, right? Like the first year, you have Kawhi Leonard, so you have always kind of have that safety net. You always have that guy that, you know, okay, you try some things work, some things you don't, but okay, here, Kawhi, take the ball, go score, win us the game, done. But then you really started seeing a lot of like the crazy, the schemes, the junk defenses, the next man up, the switching everything on everybody all the time and having it work. 
Um, last year, again, the Tampa time, they got away from it. I think a lack of camp helped. Um, like just the stress of relocating and then COVID, as they were getting better, the team got hit by COVID. They fell out of it, so they opted to tank. Um, but yeah, it's coming back. So they're doing uh, some good things. And once again, again, we're not even 10 games in, but they are outperforming analyst expectations. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. So what is it that you are a little bit surprised about? What is it that you feel, okay, that the, I'm seeing what I expected? Because I remember when the season first started after game one, we talked about it, like, you know, a lot about development, a lot about new guys. What is it that you're seeing? To be honest with you, I, I think, like, I, I not that I wasn't a believer in how much, how good this defense could be. I, w- I was certainly you know, open to, like, I was certainly a believer in it could be a good defense. How good it's been and how many deflections, like, you know, they talked about the length and how you have all these guys who are 6'9 or around 6'9 and just have all this length and how that's going to be so good defensively. Like, yeah, you, you understand it. But when you see it in practice and you see that, like, like a guy like Gary Trent is just all over every pass. And I, I actually tweeted this. You cannot pass cross court against this team because somebody is going to at least deflect it. But more often than not, they're going to intercept that pass. And even it's, it's funny because like you see when somebody has the ball, like near, near the, near the top of the, of the circle um, and uh, the top of the three point line, and they're looking to make a pass to somebody who's just 10 feet to their right, 10 feet to the left. Even on those passes, you see OG jumping that lane. These guys have no fear of jumping the lane and and going for that steal, you know, sometimes it actually does work against them because it does lead to to easy baskets because you you know you it puts a lot of stress on your defense, a lot of recovery, guys running all over the place. But more often than not, even if they jump that lane and they miss that, they miss it and they gamble, their their ability to recover is so much better than it was last year. And honestly, that's the thing that I I'm not sure why that is. But I remember early on in the season last year, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did an episode where where it might have even been when Blake Murphy was um, was on with us, where, where we were talking about how like a guy like Yuta did so well because it was like chaos all the time, and he's just good at recovering and running all over the place. It, but it now it feels like it's more contained chaos. And yes, there are guys that are you know having to run cross court to cover an open corner, but it, it's almost like they're doing it by design, and it's it's expected. Yeah, um, I'm surprised by how. Quickly, they've developed this, like this, all, all the gapping that they do, punching gaps, um, intercept, pass intercept, playing such a high risk style of D already with such a young defense. Like, I always thought, and I've said this in the podcast, I always thought January onwards, we would start to see this team really elevate itself. And they're doing a lot of what I thought they would do then already. Other surprises, I don't think anybody saw Delano Banton being such an impact player so early. Uh, and I don't think I think everybody thought Scotty Bonds would be good, but not as good as he has been. <laughs> what is he like? I mean, he's averaging like eighteen points a game. I don't think anybody saw that this soon. So, yeah, the young guys have come along a lot faster. And Shvi, we've talked about him. I think he's. We didn't quite know what to expect from him yet, but yeah, he's um, been very good for them as well. 
Yeah, and, and the the last thing I want to say, I, sorry, Azam, just just because mm-hmm. uh, um, Primate mentioned Delano. Uh, Jack said it on on the broadcast today, and I, I do wonder how true this is that they basically got themselves a potential lottery pick at 40 what was it was he 46 or 47 i can't remember who was taken who was taken first if it was david johnson or him uh but i mean he went first yeah so near near middle of middle of the second round you got yourself a potential lottery pick i don't know how true that is like i really wonder if, if you look at his stats at nebraska i think he was like near 10 points um it was like four, four rebounds three assists something like that he he wasn't he wasn't the guy at Nebraska, but, but I really do wonder had he stayed another year and he, had he developed, like it, I remember reading an article about how he bet on himself coming out, but you know, did they actually outsmart everybody getting this guy? Because like it, it, he just looks so comfortable. And if, if it really feels like they knew something going into that draft when they got him, um, even Ken Birch said, I didn't, I didn't know this guy. I'm pretty sure most people didn't know this guy. We talked about it on the last episode. We didn't know a whole lot about him, but the fact that he's able to come in and, you know, basically supplant Dragic and uh, Malachi Flynn. And he's taken over as the backup point guard. And, like, the speed that the kid has is, is – that's the most impressive part. Because, I, I think you know, he, he's he's slight. You know, you, you know, you know he's not going to have a lot of uh, a lot of strength going to the basket. But the speed actually makes up for a lot of that. Um, and, and that's been the, the most surprising part because, he, he, you know, when you see a guy that long, you don't expect him to be as fast as he is. So, no, absolutely. So, given all of that, are you surprised how quickly they've adapted to Nurse's system? Because you, you just said it's more like contained chaos. It's not... Like you need an IQ to play it. I mean, what what made them so successful in 2019-20 is that you had a lot of like experienced veteran guys who had high IQs. You had Lowry. Yeah, yeah. you had more. You don't have any of the like. You don't have too many guys now. Yeah, so. that's a, and that's are you surprised how quickly they adapted? Yeah, that's or are we looking at a really small sample that's size? That's the thing because like they've a lot of that veteran. Like I'm not saying these are stupid players by any means, but they're inexperienced players, and a lot of that IQ develops through repetition and through seasons and going through playoff runs and failing and that's what made them so good because they'd seen everything and could figure it, it could just on the fly just just i'm watching so i was watching some of the b-ball breakdown from 1920 and they were just like they were just switching from man to man to zone to three two to box like instantaneously knew what to do and it takes a lot of uh, a lot of brain power to sort of process and consume all of what he's throwing at them. I mean, and he probably hasn't th- brought out a lot of like the really, really intricate schemes yet. So uh, they're learning. They got a, a lot of high IQ guys that they've gotten. And, and really, if you look at it, I mean, I don't think he's brought out anything really. Um, it, it's almost just been switch and recover, which is like a lot of it is just knowing how to play basketball. And I think part of, part of the, the good job that, the Raptors have done as an organization is guys who understand how to play, play the game. And also when you look at it, I mean, it, it, to answer your question before I go, even go on go further. It's yeah, this it's super surprising, but I think when you look at the, the caliber of athletes that they've been able to, to collect on their team, maybe that's the reason why it's just, you know, sometimes athleticism can help you cover some of these mistakes. And, you know, if, if you get out of position, you have a bunch of guys who are able to run around the floor and, and they're able to recover 
just on sheer athleticism alone. Like I don't I don't know that we've we haven't really seen another team that's that's been built like this that I can think of. I mean maybe the, maybe there's somebody, but like it's it's just it, it's such a it's such a it it is such a project, and the fact that it it's working so well. And I mean, come on, like it it is still really early, so there there's still going to be those hiccups, and we're still going to see some struggles. It, it's worked up until this point, but maybe they've just gotten lucky. You know, they they. They got the Pacers who were injured. Um, the Knicks, sure, they, they maybe they caught them by surprise, and you know maybe maybe Washington isn't as good as people thought, but maybe they are, and maybe the Raptors are just that good, and they just have players who are just. Well, the Raptors are injured too. <laughs> like the Raptors, that yeah, 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 true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So it's not like they've had their full guys squad either. So yes and no, you're right. Like I mean, they haven't gone against the elite of the elite yet. Like you have, like let's see what they like. Sun, like I know Brooklyn isn't off with the greatest start record-wise, but I don't think anybody with half a brain really thinks that oh, this team is in trouble. Like obviously, it's uh, you have Harden coming off an injury, and you just pay. They're pacing themselves because they know what they do counts in the playoffs. So I, I'm very, I'd be very interested to see what they do against Durant and Harden this Sunday. Yeah, and if if you look at their schedule coming up, like the other game that that's going to be interesting is is going to be against the Sixers on November 11th. Um, just to see, I just want to see how they handle Embiid, um, yep. just because of their lack of bigs and and who who they actually go with. They have the Jazz on the 18th, so there are going to be some interesting games coming up. I'm really looking forward to when they end up playing Miami, which isn't until when is that actually? It's not. I don't think it's till the new year. It's in January. Um, like I, I'll be really interested to see. Oh, only, only like not only because of the Lowry factor, but also you know we we've been hearing a lot about the Heat, and it, it's funny that like it, it's like people just realize that Lowry is a good player. Like you hear the broadcast, and like the 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 broadcasters are just going gaga over Kyle Lowry as if he's like something that like nobody knew for years like this guy's been a good player since he's been here and all of a sudden like people are realizing oh man he's good he actually helps the team win yeah no shit <laughs> like it, yeah. it, it's it, it it actually kind of bothers me but at the same time like i've seen people tweeting like people on raptors twitter talking about how like they're they're so happy for lowry i don't i don't wish him any like no ill will towards him but he's not a raptor anymore so i could care less what he does i as long as we beat the heat and i don't want to see the heat succeed over us yeah Yeah, you agree it's gonna be hard hard. i mean miami i mean they're a conference rival um i mean you have guys like i mean i'm not really thinking about the 2016 series i don't think they have anybody left on that team from that series has has traded places (laughs) he's he's the the constant that's been there for 50 60 years is he still an act like assigned as a player, or is he? Oh yeah, a- absolutely. He's he's. I think he's forty one now. He's still he's still got his annual contract what that he's. What if they just? What if they just have anybody I'm I'm sure there's there's a reason for having him there. Like I mean, there's the the coach on the extra coach on the bench type of thing. But I I don't I don't know I don't know why he's still there. It's just he's he's a, he's from Miami. Um, yeah. He's he's Where like he's he been there. He's played five total minutes this year. I'm I'm sure if you check last year, it's probably the same. 
Last year he played less. He's already outplayed. He's already last year he played one game in three minutes. He's already yeah. doubled his production, right? <laughs> or he's his presence. Well, actually, no. Last year in that one game he played three minutes and got four points. He in that one game, he's averaging one point per game in two games this season. Yeah, let's be real. Udonis Haslam is not on the Heat to be a an on the court contributor. It's it's definitely more of a you know help the young guys along. Like it, it's almost like keeping that Heat culture alive type thing. But I, I, if I hear any other words about Heat culture, man, I'm going to throw up because it, like to give to to it's almost like they're crediting Lowry's success right now to Heat culture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with like all the stuff that Jimmy Butler used to get criticized about before they're praising him for in Miami. I'm like, he's always been like that. Just praise him for what he is. I'm sure he got annoyed playing in Minnesota with those like Wiggins and cat not playing defense. Like, of course you'd get annoyed playing with those guys. Um, of course in Chicago, when they, Brought in guy like Fred Hoiberg, who is a bit too soft of a coach, and they just decided to blow the thing up on the fly. Like, of course, like the the Raptors culture is very much similar to the Heat culture now. The only difference is that the Heat are a free agent destination, and the Raptors aren't. So the Heat could get a LeBron to sign there. <laughs> the Raptors more than likely could. So yeah, but to be honest with you, the, the biggest testament to Raptors culture is is how we're able to develop young guys over yeah. and over and over. And they and over. do the same thing, too. Like, that's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They've done it, too. Uh, Hero and Robinson and Bam. Um, and Even Ken a guy like Struess. Struess, who, like, they, they pulled out of nowhere, and he's, yeah. he's doing None. well. None. None. Yeah, exactly. They've done it, too. They've done it, too. And, like, in fairness, like, that's why I... I mean, obviously, I'm sure they operate very differently, but from the outside looking in, it's very... The two teams are very, like, consistent, really well coached develop young guys that you don't necessarily expect to be prospects because they never really draft in the lottery until this past year for the Raptors. So don't go out there to tank even when they don't think a year is a championship year. So yeah, they, I guess the only difference is that he'd are having a much bigger advantage in free agency. But Well, and, and that's why it's a lot easier to decide not to tank when you're the heat, because you know that you can fix things with, with free agents. Whereas, you know, somebody like the Raptors, when, when a season like they had last year in Tampa is going off the rails, you just say, you know, forget it. And then you end up with a Scotty Barnes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And even the Raptors only fell off one up there. They were, they got back to five. They were fourth in the East before COVID hit them. So we never know if they didn't have the COVID outbreak. We don't know what the season would have become. They could have made the playoffs last year, they, mm-hmm. possibly. And, well, so we'll, we'll... And, and we said that in one of our earlier episodes, right? Because I, I brought up those um, the Darko models, which predicted the Raptors to have, I, th- I think, around 39, 39 wins or, or whatever it was, which is above what Vegas had them at. But like those models still can't account for the players and how like how their seasons were derailed by COVID, and like th- there's nothing that can account for that. So like. Sure, I, I could see the thirty-nine number, but I mean, I think the the three of us always thought around number four in the East was definitely possible. Not probable, but possible. 
Yeah, I mean, the East is a bit of a crapshoot. I, I, I always, and even in baseball where they run models as well, like, how do you run a model? Because when you don't know the individual work that's being done, you don't know little things like, okay, maybe a guy was playing with an injury a year ago and he's healthy now. Like, there's those little things that you just are unable to, like, capture. One is a baseline, more or less, right? That's yeah. a baseline. That's It, it kind of gives you an idea, right? Yeah. Where a team's going to be. But, of course, like you said, like, could, player could make adjustments over during an offseason. Uh, so that's where you need to know that, you know, you don't want your data that has bias. And, uh, that's where, uh, yeah, I think it's important. Do we really need a baseline? I mean, a lot of are they telling us anything that we probably just couldn't eyeball these rosters and think, okay, yeah, they'll be pretty good, or oh, um, uh, Brooklyn could have some issues because of the Kyrie situation, right? Or Philly may not be as good as we think because of the Ben Simmons situation. Like, I mean, and I like that, but. We talk yeah, about but, but the reason I like models is just because it removes some of the bias. Because I mean, as you've seen with some of the some of the U.S. media, which has always been the case with Raptors, is as soon as they look at the roster, it's like, ah, eh, you know, they're not going to be a playoff team. This happened with it didn't it, like our championship year. Um, I think w- w- there was there was the ESPN show where maybe one person picked us to be an eighth seed, but nobody else had us in the playoffs, and like you, you can see how it turned out, and that's that's the bias. So I, I, that's why I like the model sometimes because it just removes that bias. Obviously, it's it's not. It would be interesting to see where the teams end up based off of you know, or com- when compared to the projections. But I, it, it's always just interesting beginning of the season to see like you know at least somebody was giving us a little bit more credit than you know maybe Vegas was. Um, but I think I think the Raptors fans usually know we're good for a few more wins than any anybody projects us to get just just on Nick Nurse and our players alone. And I think that, I mean, it comes down to the two examples we discussed, right? Like, I mean, a lot of people saying now Larry has become a better player and he, since he joined Miami. It's like it's, he's always been that kind of a player, right? So, I mean, that's where people have biases. So we know Toronto is a good side, but, you know, sometimes you don't see a team enough, not as much as you think you do. Like, you know, I mean, that happens a lot. Um, and... Uh, and that's why it just takes that uh, subjectivity out of it, right? Like it's a baseline model. It's objective. It's telling you exactly what, you know, the numbers are telling you. More Take it with a grain of salt because, you know, there'll be adjustments. You know, there'll be regressions. You know, they'll, some guys will get better. Um, but it, it does give you a certain degree of confidence as to where the team's going to be, right? Like, I mean, there's certain things that are dead giveaways, right? Like, we knew Baltimore Orioles are going to be crap. We're going to be crap this year. <laughs> they ended up being crap, um, but uh, j- just gives you a little bit more than that, right? You know what's crazy? They finished ahead of Boston last year in the shortened season. I mean, in the sixty games, right? So who sixty who games? Knows yeah, what 60 games but this year it's not like well, they benefited from. It's not like they got off to an okay start and they, then they just fell off. They were. Crap from opening day, right? <laughs> so like, it's just crazy. But some, yeah, humans. I can't... mean, we were a playoff team, although it was expanded with a much worse record than what we ended up being. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, there is some breaking news in baseball. Buster Posey is going to announce. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I heard yeah. that. An- announcing oh, tomorrow. Breaking news. <laughs> you guys already heard it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I saw it just before we were we were going on air. That's surprising. But, um... 
He had a twenty two million dollars for next year, and he played well this year. He had a really good season. Maybe just when you know, you know. Some guys you just you don't want to you don't want to go out. You don't want to be forced out. You want to go out on your own terms. And that's probably it. I I would I personally like I don't think I could be able to pull myself from a job that I've been doing that I love for for so many years and just say no, I'm not doing it anymore. I think that'd be hard. I think it, you'd have to pull me out kicking and screaming. He's 34. I mean, pretty young. I mean, I know he's caught most of his career, pretty much all of his career. So those knees got to be done. But. Uh, and he's had a couple of lean years, uh, so maybe he's thinking that combined with pandemic, this is a really good year to sign off of. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's not really healthy this year because he actually sat out the pandemic year. Yep, so I think that rest really helped him. And even this year, he played. Whew, I'm just pulling it up now. I think he played a lot of games for an old catcher. Uh, I'm just pulling up how many games he played. He, actually, in all of them, he's at 113. He had about uh, 454 plate appearances. So that's still a pretty heavy workload, almost a five-win player. Yeah. And right, a potential so, Hall of Famer. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, uh, sure thing, isn't he? Should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially for, I mean, I don't know the catcher. I mean, two World Series rings on top three. of it? Yeah. Three. Well, was he on the 2010 team? Yep, that was his rookie year. Okay. All right, so just to bring it back to basketball, um, we're going a little bit long, but um, the Raptors have the Cavs next, which should be an interesting game. Uh, Evan Mobley against, um, against, oh, I mean, I don't know. Is Scotty Barnes going to play? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess... You got these two wins in the last two games without him. Maybe you just sit him out um, and wait until maybe the Nets game. But if if he does play, that'll be an interesting, interesting game. I don't know how much they'll match up. But Evan Mobley, I don't know if you guys have seen him. He's he's looked amazing, especially defensively, which is normally where you you'd expect a, a young big man to struggle. Um, he's he's been able to do everything defensively. So. It, it'll be interesting, and then they have the Nets and Celtics and, and Sixers. So, um, give me your predictions. Four games. Uh, what what do, you, what do you think they'll do? Um, what's your record prediction? Cleveland Nets, Celtics, and Sixers. Yeah. Two, two and two. I was going to say was, the same. Two and two. All right, so two and two across the board because I'm I'm pretty sure I think the Cavs is going to be a win. I think I have a feeling they're going to equal out against the Nets. And then I, I, I feel like they'll they'll lose the back to ba- uh, the back to back. It's it's a back to back too. Sixers is uh, Thursday after the Wednesday game against the Celtics, so that'll be a, so, a tough back to back. I think they're gonna drop one against either Cavs or uh, Celtics, and they're gonna drop one against either Sixers and uh, Cavs. Pulls a matchup nightmare because of the two seven footers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Allen, like- Allen, and, and and Mobley are gonna give them some trouble. Yeah, and we don't know yet who, um, what, what's the deal with Barnes. Nets, I mean, if James Harden decides to go to the brass rail on Saturday night, um, we have a, we'd have a better chance. I, I am not kidding. Yeah, I, I remember there's that uh, somebody did a study on how, uh, how well James Harden performs based off of strip club ratings in the city. 
And whenever there are good strip clubs, he actually tends to perform better in that city. Um, wow. So I, I don't actually remember how Toronto rated in that uh, in that category. But uh, I mean, hopefully the ratings are bad so that he doesn't do well. <laughs> but he, I mean, I, I don't. He hasn't been playing amazingly this season. So um, I mean, the, the Nets haven't looked haven't looked as great as people thought. And obviously, the Kyrie situation has something to do with that but you know katie's there and katie will will give us trouble i hope we get to see scotty barnes match up against KD because i'd be really interested to see how, how his length is is able to affect katie if at all because i mean katie's also got some length himself oh yeah yeah and I, I think it's really gonna the thing about guarding KD is that you know he's gonna kill you it's just a matter of can you keep going at him no matter what? Like, you yeah. know, like it's just like except going in with that acceptance that he's going to torture us. But can you just make him work and wear him down? That's really the that's the that's how that's the mentality you have to have. And I think Scotty. I mean, on the surface, Scotty Barnes has it. He defends like with reckless abandon, like he doesn't care. So it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting and. The Nets have won three in a row as well. So, I mean, they're not playing like trash. I mean... No, no, no. It'll be fun. It'll be fun on Sunday for sure. Yeah. So, I, I think this is a good spot to end it off. Um, if, if you're still with us, it looks like there are actually a few people that are with us. Um, make sure you you like our video. Uh, subscribe to our content on YouTube. We have a new website up now where we're hoping to put up some um, some articles every now and then written by Azam and maybe... Maybe I'll try my hand here and there. Um, so that's uh, boxandonepod.com. And that's the number one. So boxandonepod.com. Um, but yeah, leave, drop us a comment. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's anything you want to hear. Um, if you want us to do these a little bit more regularly, we'll see if we can work it into our schedule. But I think the next time we're going to do another one, another one of these post games is probably going to be, um, I don't know, guys, what do you think? After the Celtics game on the Wednesday or should we wait until the, the tail end of the back-to-back against the Sixers? On the Thursday, I think tail end of with Sixers after the game against Sixers. I think yeah, that should work. We can come back yeah. with our predictions. Yeah, we'll we'll see if our two and two predictions after that four game, uh, four game stretch if, if it's correct. I, I I really do think it's going to be a two and two end to that though. Um, so again, thanks a lot for watching. Uh, we appreciate all the support, and we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone. Thank you.